and welcome to Hebsey on Sports, episode number 218. <clears throat> Excuse me, what a way to start the podcast. Clearing his throat. <clears> Here <throat> in the um, Little Italy studios. I'm Mark Hebsher along with Toronto Mike. We're very excited today because there's lots to talk about. We're not excited because people have lost their job in the sports media business or a particular team or player is slumping, having a tough time. We are genuinely um, just excited. A couple months ago, if I would have said to you, we got basketball, we got hockey, we got games going on, the Super Bowl, Tom Brady against Patrick Mahomes, great matchups. <clears throat> the NBA All-Star Game is going to be played in front of zero people, which means the slam dunk contest will be contested. Like, you'll, you'll be able to hear the ball going through the net. <laughs> it's going to be just weird. <clears throat> Today on the show, Jason Spezza, 37 years of age, a hat trick last night. The second oldest Leaf in history to record a hat trick. Do you know who the oldest was? I have no <clears> idea. <throat> who, by how many days? Who's the oldest? Well, I can't tell you now. I'll tell you later. Gary Roberts. I have no idea. No. no. Okay. And with Montreal losing to, and by the way, the Leafs beat Vancouver. With Montreal losing to lowly Ottawa, the Leafs in first place in the Northern Division, and that's okay by me. The Raptors might not get 54 points out of Fred Van Vliet tonight, but that's okay too. A win in Brooklyn and the Raps are in a playoff position. I didn't think I'd be saying this, excuse me, when they were one and seven or whatever it was, but they are in a playoff spot and there's lots of games to be played. So maybe the Raps are the best team in the East after all, after a slow start. Um, Let's see here now. More COVID problems for the NHL Sabres coach, Ralph Kruger, testing positive and the league already postponing 26 games. New protocol for NHL players means uh, they're working on this. They can't even come to the rink until an hour and 45 minutes before game time. Players very much against this. What do they do all day? Right? You know, let us, they want to get into, a lot of guys want to get into the arena like six hours before game time. They don't know what to do with themselves. Hurry up and wait. So that's a a problem. Uh, Look ahead to Sunday Super Bowl and more. But first, Mike, uh, while I... um, have a little drink here. Oh, yeah, get a drink Terrible there. people at Bell Media have sent a warning to those in our business. You could be next. You. Doesn't matter who Me? you are. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully the prerequisite there is that you have to work for Bell Media before they can uh, fire you. <clears throat> hopefully that's a prerequisite. We're safe, I think. Yeah, well, big when news. I say you could be next, I'm, I'm talking to <laughs> in general terms. Big news, big that news. That nobody is safe. Because it happened to me five years ago. Right. <clears throat> I thought I was in okay shape, you know, like most people, right? You know, getting a paycheck every couple of weeks. No, uh, no paper trail as to, you know, watch yourself. You're, you know, you're, we're watching you closely. Don't screw up. None, none of that. There's never any intimation that your job could be on the line. It's never like that. But Hebsey, man, that's because these firings are not performance based. Like they're not like, oh, you suck or your numbers are shitty. They're like, it sounds like it's literally like we need to get rid of this amount from our payroll. But, but wait a second. Yeah. Aren't, I mean, if your performance was exemplary, would a company not say, well, we can't get rid of that person? Well, okay. Well, they fired Bobcat at Rogers. Like I feel like, how great was he doing? I, I, I'm, I don't know as much as you do. You're the inside. Not as well as he was doing before, obviously, or they wouldn't have let him go. Right. So are you okay? So let's talk specifically because the big name we learned about yesterday is our friend Dan O'Toole. Right. 
And that's a week after um, Sid Sixero announced that he was moving from Tim and Sid. Right. So if I would have said to you 10 years ago, which show is going to last longer, Tim and Sid, Jay and Dan? You would say, oh, probably about the same, I guess. Are They're going to both, gonna both I would say they'd both last forever. Right. right. And as a viewer, there's no reason to think that if you're a fan of Tim and Sid or Jay and Dan or both, that either show would be in any trouble um, and that one or both of the hosts would, you know, would be gone. They, they, they would rejig the show. Right. But it doesn't, you're right. It doesn't matter when it comes to money. And if you're losing revenue and someone says, you're going to have to do the dirty work. The only way we can sustain here is if we fire all these people, 220 people, Bell Media this time around, remember they had over 400, but five years ago, they had a massive layoffs, 400 people. So, and you read that uh, their dividends have improved and they took a hundred and some odd million from the federal government, you know, which they were entitled to do, I guess, because they're crying poor. And meantime, the day after, or two days after Bell Let's Talk, as per usual, they announced these cuts. And it got me thinking, it's been five years since this happened to me. It wasn't Bell Media. But it was still a media company, uh, a television station that I worked for, and it told all its employees that there was a big meeting scheduled. This is one day during the week. It was a Friday, actually, in December, just before Christmas. It's always just before Christmas. It's always at a bad time. And you always get that, oh, what a terrible time. Is to there get a fired. good time, Hebsey? No, there's no good, <laughs> there's no good time. Right. If someone says, hey, you got fired in June, you go, oh, that ruins, there's my summer holidays are ruined. If it's around Christmas time, oh, there goes the Christmas, right? If it's in the middle of winter, uh, if it's in the case of, um, I'm trying to think of his name now, um, Brandon, um, the head writer for the Jay and Dan show. He had a baby two days earlier. Producer Tim? And they congratulated Tim? him on the show. Is that producer Congratulations, Tim? Brandon, you're a father. And him and his fiance with their baby. And two days later, you're out of work. It's cold. Sure. It's business. We never like to look at it that way. Look, I was working in my office putting two shows together, Sportsline and Square Off. That afternoon, I saw the announcement about the meeting because they actually did the announcement on their own television station, right? One of the owners got up there, looked horrible, like death warmed over, <sighs> making an announcement that the station was going to go off the air and that they were working on, you know, getting it back someday, but there would be no more programming until further notice. And the staff was told that there was going to be a meeting, and everybody walked by my office on their way to this meeting in Studio B upstairs. Naturally, I followed the group up to Studio B. And in Studio B, they explained to us that the station had, had gone bankrupt. Programming had been suspended. Some people would be let go. But everybody in this room, everybody in this studio would keep their jobs in some way, shape, or form. Right? Maybe not at the same salary, maybe not with the same benefits, maybe different type of setup. You might be doing more work for less money, but you were going to be spared. And I remember looking over at my partner, Bubba O'Neill from Sportsline right. and kind of looking at us going, whoo, we dodged a bullet. <laughs> right. And then a few minutes later, I feel a tap on my shoulder. Tap, tap. It was my boss, the news director. I'd been there already in the room for I don't know, 15 or 20 minutes. And he tapped me on the shoulder and said, I want to talk to you in private. I walked over with him into the corner of the studio and he said, you're in the wrong room. Oh my God. Right. I said, what? 
I said, pardon? I said, pardon? He said, you're supposed to be in Studio A downstairs. Now, I didn't get that part of it, right? I was working away, and I didn't get that, the announcement from within the newsroom that these people would be going up. No, if I call your name, that's what it was. If I call your name, right? Right. Please go upstairs to Studio B. So if I call you, so now you're thinking, oh, Jesus, if you call my name, that means I'm gone, right? If you don't call my name, that means I'm okay. But it was the other way around. Right. They right. called the names of the people whose jobs were going to be safe <laughs> and sent them all upstairs. Now, I didn't hear whether my name was called or not. I just assumed when I saw everybody going by that I was going upstairs. So, P.S., you're supposed to be in Studio A downstairs. Oh, that's a, that story's epic, Hebsey. And I'm like, what the heck? And before I know it, there's a security guard there, and he's going to escort me downstairs. And he's, he says, sorry, you know. They always do that. Sorry. I really feel You're not sorry. Don't say sorry. Just well, they, he might be sorry. He might be sorry. Nobody likes it. My yeah. boss wasn't sorry. Right. The, the security. Right. And even your boss the might have been actually sorry. said to me, he says, you know, I watch you all the time. And I, you know, this is terrible and all. I'm just doing my job. I said, I get it. I get it. And I was supposed to leave immediately. I could not go back into my office and gather up my stuff. I would have to come at a later date. And I just remember saying to the security guard, look, do me a favor. Go to the bathroom or something like that. Let me go do my thing. Like, right. Turn the other way. Right. I did. Went downstairs. They handed me an envelope. Um, they, and then they, and they said, you've got 10 minutes to leave the building or something like that. It's all a blur. I'm like, what? And I see all these other people downstairs in the gas chamber because oh. they've all got their envelopes and they're all, they're done. Right. And the people I had just left were spared, I guess. And I found out later that they were given, they were given 48 hours. This was a Friday afternoon at like five o'clock. Mm -hmm. They were given 48 hours to look over some documents, right? No lawyers working on the weekends. And they had until Sunday at 7 p.m. to return these documents with an agreement, like they had signed this agreement or not. And the agreement, basically, you know, depending on the person, was, you know, you're not getting paid the same money and you're going to be working this much more because we've eliminated this many jobs and all that stuff. It was really bad. Scene. No, I mean, this story, which I've read about in great detail, to me, it, it sounds criminal. Like, I'm still surprised there yeah. were never any criminal charges. So anyway, the envelope that they gave me uh, contained forms to fill out in order to apply for a government subsidy. You know, if a company goes bankrupt, you can get some money. Uh, I don't recall. It wasn't much anyway. And, and then these other kind of, you know, agreements that they wanted me to sign that were like bullshit. Right. Ridiculous. So, uh, I had been there for 13 years. I expected to get severance. Nothing. Zero. Which you can't do. But if a company is claiming bankruptcy, then you're one of the creditors. You're, you're SOL. Well, that's a bullshit move, though, it, Hebsey, yeah. to, to declare bankruptcy and then to uh, start a brand new company from the ashes to company. do the same thing and hire back the same exact people same at half. The, that, exactly. that's but they got around it. They got around the laws because the, 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 the law is this in Canada. You cannot have what's called a successor company. You can't shut one company down and then start another one up doing basically the same thing. It's called a right. successor company. Right. But there are loopholes in the Canada Labor Code uh, and these owners were allowed to get away with these things and not have to pay severance and treat people the way they have. And that's five years ago. Now I'm, you know what? 
I'm glad I'm out of it. Did I see the writing on the wall? No, I was blindsided like most people. Right. I didn't expect it. It was a shock. But now I'm used to it, seeing other companies do the same thing. And it's sort of a warning shot. Like, I don't want to say I told you so, but nobody's job is safe. Well, Hebsey, hearing that story, that chilling story, and I remember the, like, the day after it happened, you came in and told it on, uh, you crashed the Dave Schultz episode of Toronto Mike and told that story, and it was you unbelievable. I, of course I asked open. you to. Yeah, you know, I say crashed in a loving way. But I have a question. So we're in COVID times. So these 200 plus people in the GTA who got their, uh, the same thing happened, like they were let go from Bell Media this week. Correct. Was this, what is this, like a phone call? Is it Zoom? Like, you can't do the old, uh, go in this room, we want to, you know? Well, I've like- heard different stories. I've heard some people, yeah, it was a Zoom call. It was just you. They said, you know, we, you know, take a call. Or it was a phone call. Hi, is this so-and-so? Yeah, just as so-and-so from Bell Media letting you know that uh, your position's been terminated. You'll be getting an envelope, da 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 and uh, good luck, whatever. <laughs> Okay, so do you have the names? Like, like <laughs> Thanks for coming out. Now, okay, 200 plus people. A lot of those people are names we won't know because they're behind the scenes people. Well, it's the positions, Mike. So, uh, for example, um, six makeup artists, six full-time makeup artists and two part-time makeup artists were let go from CTV Toronto. Right. So do you have... So Bell Media owns CTV, uh, CFTO, CTV National News, uh, City... No. No, CP24. Yep. CP24. And so all these newsrooms were affected. Some people work, will work both. You know, we need you to agent court. We need you downtown at 299 Queen, right. whatever the case is. Right. Uh, so to eliminate eight uh, jobs, uh, just makeup artists. Right. Imagine now you're going to your anchors and your reporters and saying you're doing your own makeup. Now, I think a lot of the reporters do their own makeup in the field, you know, a little powder, sure. whatever it is. Especially Some in COVID times. Some don't care, but in the studio, you've got to have, you know, good makeup. There's nothing worse than looking at someone going, oh my God, they look terrible, you know, because there's no makeup artist there to put them on the air. They have to do their own. So just for example, uh, studio cameramen, tons of them, they're going to use remote cameras. There might be one person on the floor, maybe none eventually. Friends of mine named uh, Phil Fraboni and Mark Cormier, both excellent cameramen when I worked in Hamilton that I worked with. Both of them part of the purge in Hamilton. Uh, I think one of them was. I think the other one stuck around and then saw the writing on the wall there and got a job at CTV. But the point is, these are these are friends of mine. These are colleagues of mine. These are people who do work behind the scenes. Producers, camera operators, editors. A lot of those jobs have been compressed into one, a one-man band. In other words, someone will go out as a reporter. They'll shoot the story. They'll edit the story. They'll post the story on social media. Mm-hmm. They'll write a blog or an article for the website. They'll produce for the digital platform as well, a different version of it. And it didn't used to be like that. Your job was the videography or you were the reporter. Right. But now as the reporter, you're expected to do much more than just report. And all the editors have to, all the camera operators now have to know how to edit. Right. Instead of you shoot your material, you mark where everything is, you hand it to the editor and the editor sits down with the reporter and edits the story. Do you think it with just, that 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 hundred and twenty million or whatever they got for the uh, the pandemic relief there that there should have been a caveat there that the like you know you can have this money but it's to keep you know Canadians employed like you can't you can't do what they did here uh, as a condition of taking that money from the government. Not going to happen. 
No, I just file, wondered. Go if they, ahead and file lawsuits. Go ahead, civil suits. We, no, I, I wonder if it should have been a caveat. Like this is a condi- <clears throat> a condition. I mean, like a condition of accepting this money is that you don't you can't do a mass layoff like this. I I don't know. Tough. We'll get a lawyer on the show. Where's your brother? I tell you what, though, when it comes to leadership, and not just in this country, because Trudeau has disappeared as a leader. A leader is supposed to be right out front leading. He's like in the back. And the same is true here with these companies, these the faceless, nameless, in some case, people who are making these phone calls and setting up these Zoom calls, the hatchet men, whatever, or women. And um, didn't they just fire their entire executive team? Yep, yep, yep. Like a couple of weeks ago, right? Right. So this naturally, the new people are now in and here's your job. This is your mandate. Cut costs. The TV landscape, radio, is just not the same as it was before. And look, like I said five years ago, all right, I got told in a, I was in the wrong meeting room. I complained. The union said they couldn't help me, even though I, I paid them thousands and thousands of dollars of union dues, eight, over $80,000 in union dues wow. in the years that I was at CHCH. Wow. And what for? For them to protect me? No, they went and they were in a conflict of interest, the union. They went back after the bankruptcy when they had a successor company and made a deal with the company there to say, we'll represent the the, the employees that are still there. Sounds rotten. horrible. And you know what? Before I knew it, my bio was scrubbed from the website of this television station. I was not given an opportunity to say goodbye to the viewers, right? Um, Nobody would return my calls. And to top it off, they towed my car from my parking oh, spot right. within minutes right. of handing me my pink slip. That's awful. How's that? That's awful. So to all of you who have lost your jobs or all of those who have lost their jobs recently, not just in the media business, I feel your pain. I do. I went through it. It's, it's a terrible feeling. What are you going to do now? Right. Right. The business sucks and it's even worse during the pandemic. And look at this carnage at Bell Media. And you think this is the end of it? You think people who are working at Bell Media now in jobs that are that they feel they're maybe not as secure as they used to be, <clears throat> no matter how good you are, no matter how popular you are, no matter how many followers you have, or what they tell you, everybody's expendable. Everybody. Dan O'Toole, Natasha Staniszewski, Brent Wallace in Ottawa, been there for years. The entire newsrooms at CJAD 800 Montreal and News Talk 1010 in Toronto. And as an aside, when I was growing up and I wanted to be in radio, those were the two newsrooms that I wanted to work in. Right. CFRB, 1010. Are you kidding me? The, the greatest journalist in the country worked there. I wanted to work there. CJD in Montreal, same thing. Owned by the same company, Standard Broadcasting. The high standards of journalism for years. The voice of English Montreal, gutted. Mm-hmm. And now the, the, the local TV anchors are going to have to read those newscasts at 7 eight, nine, and 10 o'clock every night. You think the TV anchors, they want to they do that? Well, by the way, here's part of your job. Not only are you going to do a TV newscast, you got to read radio top of the hour at seven, eight, nine, and 10. No, thank you for the same money. Wow. No, thank you. No, thank you. Hebsey, another name so, real quick, though, before you move on. Uh, Christian Jack as well. Got yeah, Christian Jack is a, a, a great soccer commentator. But I mean, TSN doesn't have soccer rights except for MLS, right? We know what happened to the Sportsnet people when they lost the rights of English Premier Soccer to, to DAZN, Jerry Dobson, uh, Danny Diccio, um, who am I forgetting? I'm sorry. Uh, Craig Forrest, 
James Sherman. And so you could see the writing on the wall. None of this surprises me anymore. And what happens is with these people, once they're out of a job and people find out about it on social media, um, first of all, you find out from the person. You don't, you know, TSN doesn't send a thing out saying, you oh, know, no. we want to thank Dan O'Toole and Natasha Stanishevsky and Brent Wallace for their fine service. I mean, you might get something like that, but probably not. But what happens is the individual goes on social media and says, I'm out of a job. That's it for me. 30, whatever it is. And, and what happens is when you see that, you feel compelled to type a little message to them like, oh, that's terrible. Or keep your head up. You're very talented. You'll get another job soon. Or Bell Media sucks. This, this sucks, like stuff like that. Anything that you think will make the person feel better about losing their job that they love, the job that they counted on. Remember, these are people that are putting it out on social media. They want you to know because they want your reaction. They, want, they need to hear from you. This is a time for them to, oh my God, I just got fired. I don't know what I'm going to do. It feels good to have people that follow you to, to say that you're talented and they feel for you. It's a good feeling. Uh, the only problem is... Like I said, a guy like uh, Brandon Halloran, the head writer for Jay and Dan, you know, they celebrate him on the show. Here's your baby. He's really happy. And then two days later, he gets a Zoom call. So may I ask? You're no longer employed. So this Brandon fellow, he's producer Tim? Like, is there, no, no, no. Who's no. producer he's the Tim? head writer. Oh, he's the head writer. Okay. He's the head writer. I think, and you've seen him on the show. He does little bits and stuff like okay. that where he's out in the field. I believe he was with them also in, in California. Okay, gotcha. As the head writer of the Jay and... He's the head writer of the Jay and Dan show. You know who the head writer of Sportsline used to be? Whoever yeah. was writing the story. Right, There's no right, head writer. Right. But that's a show. That's got bits. Right. That's got a big production um, budget, or it did anyway. Two anchors, producer Tim, the head writer. There's four full-timers right there that are paying some pretty good money, aren't you? Can you get by with only two of them? I don't know. Whew. So this is interesting to me that Jay and Dan has been broken up uh, right on the heels of us getting the news that Tim and Sid were breaking up. Like to me, like you said off the top, like it's kind of wild that these two news stories happen like within like days of each other uh, or at least a week or so. So basically the, the future landscape of sports media, and I think we talked about this, but the these, the, yeah, Tim and Sid will be broken up and uh, Jay and Dan are already broken up because, uh, right. you know, Dan's done his last uh, sports center. Right. So, and, 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 many of these people will not be coming back to this business because there are no opportunities. You can't just go over to that place and get a job there because that place is cutting as well. And I hate to say this. There are very, very few opportunities in the media and even less so for white people. White men or white people? White men, especially, but Natasha Stanishevsky is a white woman. That's true. And so all the people that have been let go have been white people. Okay, is that is and, that is that a result of news of uh, media companies tr uh, trying to diversify their on really trying talent? hard, really trying hard to the point where there might be people in positions that they don't deserve to be in but had, had acceded to that position because of the current landscape. That, am I a racist for saying that? No. It's the way it is. 
just all you have to do is take a look at just the, the number of people that have been let go. They have not been people of color, persons of color, and very few of them have been women. I think Ashley Docking and Natasha Staniszewski are the only two women that I can think of that have, in media. Um, you mentioned um, Caroline Schved a while ago. Yeah, but she positioned it like but I don't she, know yeah, whether she I'm was talking fired. About people or, yeah. that were on the air, right, right, you know, right. with a fair regularity. No, I, I hear but you here. That, it's all been white men. Sid Sixero is a white man. Yeah, but he but he got a he man. got a uh, he probably it might be even uh, positioned as a pr promotion of sorts, possibly the Sid Sixero. Like he was not fired. He's going to move to breakfast television. And, I will tell you this, that the replacement for Dan O'Toole and the replacement for Sid Sixero will not be a white man in either case. Okay. It's got nothing has to do with whether Sid was good or not, whether Dan was good or not, mm -hmm. was the opportunity for the company to say, we have to make changes. So in order to make changes, we're going to have to eliminate a white person and replace that white person with someone of color. If we're going to go forward with this, it's not a forward move in media to replace a white person with another white person if their partner is also white. Okay, so let me ask you this. This is the question that listeners are, are hoping Hebsey will answer. Uh, why did they uh, break up Jay and Dan? Uh, aren't Jay, the listeners are wondering, aren't Jay and Dan a big fucking deal in this country? Oh, I don't know. I mean, is the answer Apparently clearly not? not? Yeah, well, that would be like saying Bob McCown, wasn't he a fixture in this country? Why did they let him go? So do you think if Dan, let's say I'm going to just uh, spitball here with no knowledge of anything. So speculation, here, but, but if, <laughs> as dangerous. I usually do, yes. But if, J if Dan O'Toole is making, and of course I'm making this up because he's making much more than this, but if Dan O'Toole is making $80,000 a year, is he still employed by Bell Media? Like, is this just simply a fact that he's making six figures well into the six figures? Uh, it may well be, and it may just, again, be an opportunity for Bell Media to diversify. You know, one minute it's, oh, Bell Media, what a great company, let's talk. You know, they're really aware of mental illness. And then and then they create um, mental illness by just wiping people out. Now, and remember, it's not just you. It's you and all your friends. So it's like everybody you worked with in that newsroom is gone. Right. It's, it's not like some got to stay and some are gone. They're all gone, eliminated, liquidated. So your circle of friends, your circle of influence are now all in the same position as you. They're down. You know, now, if I just got fired, it's going to be awfully tough for me to console someone else who just got fired and right. vice versa. So where's the help? So as Bell Media said, oh, and by the way, we are providing you with as much counseling as you need as much drugs as you need to get over this shock and embarrassment and humiliation of being fired and not being able to provide for your family anymore how's that and have people pointing to you going didn't didn't you used to be on television before what happened to you are you okay are you all right can i give you a big hug virtually of course send you a message on social media telling you telling you how much I loved watching you on television and what bastards they are. And, and then two days later, Mike, someone else gets fired from the media and all that stuff, all those nice things you were saying about that person 
you're now saying about somebody else that got fired. So they had their one day, their one day of getting fired, and then one day of announcing it on social media, and the one day of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of nice comments from people. And then the next day, somebody else is gone. And then the day after that, someone else. And this has been going on for how long now? Remember the outrage when Don Cherry was fired, when Bob McCowan was fired, when Jerry Howarth was gone, Mike Wilner was gone, when your favorite sportscaster, whatever, newscaster, newspaper writer, columnist, announced that they weren't going to be doing that anymore. You had Paul Hunter and Mary Ormsby on, two excellent writers for years for the Toronto Star, years, husband and wife. They made their announcement individually and collectively. They did a couple of interviews. And now they're enjoying retirement. Not that easy for, for everybody. For the I record. They did well financially that they, you know, they're protected that way. But a lot of these people who are let go are not in a position where they can retire. And are not in a position where they can turn around and get another job in media, which is their area of expertise. It doesn't exist anymore. But a lot of old, like there's a lot of people who maybe you did this. I don't know you did. You were a coal miner or something. And now you need to sort of retrain and sort of pivot and learn a new, new skill set or take, right. like, like this happens right. all over the place. Storm and Norman is a security guard now, as is um, Scott Ferguson. And of course, uh, 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 <laughs> the, uh, who, who's the, the fan? The five, yeah, the fan What's five ninety Leaf beat reporter Howard Berger. Howard Berger now works at a funeral home. Mm-hmm. So this is right. happening all over the place because you they have to reinvent are they, yourself, right? And the other thing is, is that by now, if you worked in the media, you had to have been looking over your shoulder. I don't care who you were; you could not expect that your job was safe. You're good, right? Unless you had an airtight long-term contract, which not too many people have in this business, in this country, right. for sure. Well, Joe Tilly told me straight up, he said, <clears throat> he went to his financial advisor and said, uh, like, any minute now it's going to happen, am I going to be okay? And basically, you have to sort of prepare yourself and set yourself yes. up for that inevitability. Quick, quick, quick clarification, though, because Jerry Howarth has looked me in the eyes and assured me that he chose to leave. I know you throw, okay. him, you throw him in the pile of people who are let go. Well, I throw him in the pile of people because obviously Jerry chose to leave because the job wasn't fun anymore. And perhaps they might've put pressure on him. They wanted him to do okay. more work or whatever the case but was. Just to and give him like, the benefit you know of the doubt. Uh, he well, says, I'm just saying, and he might have said, you know what? I, I, I have enough money. I'm going to be okay. I'll miss it, but I don't want to work under those circumstances. And a enough. lot of times that's the case, Mike, they make life so miserable for you where you are. It's easy to say, you know what? I'm done. So, so he- Jerry left on his own, of his own, on his own terms, mm-hmm. but they may have put him in a, uh, untenable position right <clears throat> and he gets and to I'm say goodbye you know that- unlike a dan o'toole does not get to say goodbye because he he found out after his last show and then right. uh jerry got to say goodbye as as did mccowan for the record but um natasha can i ask you because we've talked a lot about dan o'toole here because we're, right. we're both friendly with dan uh but natasha uh so she, she is she's just caught up in the numbers game like we need to shed some salary like because well, that would surprise me you have to ask yourself what was her position there was she a regular anchor was she on every night? I don't actually I don't know. So. You have to tell me. I don't <laughs> believe so. <clears throat> and I think there's a lot of people uh, at Sportsnet and TSN, for example, that weren't on all the time. That, like, you know, did, were they earning their salary? Mm. Were they paid on a monthly basis to do X number of events or X number of shows? Mm. Were they on or they, were they on on a regular basis? They were anchoring a particular show on a regular basis. And as far as I know, Natasha mm-hmm. was not anchoring 
a show on a regular, I don't know if she was on the 2 a.m. Sports Center show all the time. I right. don't know what changes they made. So obviously they said, well, we have to let some people go. But Natasha to me was a presenter. She right. wasn't a reporter. Um, she didn't sit on the desk. She didn't do the desk, um, you know, on panel shows and stuff like that. So I think she was limited in what she offered uh, TSN. Um, you know, she was a good reader, I guess, and uh, filled in a few times on Jane Dan and fine and did some commercials and stuff like that. I know right. she had an agent and she did a lot of gigs. She had gigs, um, but obviously TSN looked at their roster and said, well, we can't afford to keep everybody. <clears throat> So they let her go. It's awful times, Hebsy. But it's, as a as a consumer of sports media and all media in this country, we just have to get used to this because these waves are going to happen multiple times a year, and they'll take turns. This is Bell Media's week, and then Rogers will have a week, and then uh, maybe Chorus will have <coughs> a week. CBC <clears throat> may have to make cuts depending on what happens with their funding, etc. But uh, yeah, Chorus. Like so, it's just one of those things where you. I mean, sorta... what happens when they postpone the Olympics again? What happens at CBC with the Olympics? They were all going to go. They had crews. They had right. producers. They had researchers. They're doing all this. They're pre probably prepackaging tons of stuff for the Olympics. Probably stuff that was packaged last year when they thought it might happen in 2020. Sure. <clears throat> what happens with all that? What happens with the Tokyo logo? Because that 2020 logo <laughs> was perfect. Remember, it was 2020 with the uh, the red sun. Yeah. Yeah. It was perfect. So here's one thing I learned, Mike, a long time ago in the media business. It never ends well <clears throat> it just doesn't nobody goes out on their own terms we all think we can work until we we don't want to work anymore and that's the furthest thing from reality today and anyone that's working today right now if they don't have their options open if they don't say if i get fired today i can do this or i want to do that or i'm going to go back to school or whatever it is then you're being foolish unless you're independently wealthy and you've got a solid portfolio you had better be prepared for the day, the inevitability of death. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> the inevitability that you're going to get a tap on the shoulder, a phone call, a text, an email, probably not someone coming and going, hey, let's go for lunch. Come on, have a couple of drinks, and then I'll lay it on you that you're not with us anymore while I hand you an envelope with a year and a half severance or whatever and send you on your way. <clears throat> so these familiar members of the media, they post their thoughts, they thank their friends and colleagues, and they feel compelled to thank the company that just gassed them. Not always. For giving them the opportunity in the first place, which is so suckholy. I hate it. They just fired you. And now you're like, oh, if I don't say anything bad about them, maybe they'll rehire me down the road when you really want to say these bastards screwed my life. And sometimes the company will issue a press release. We appreciate so-and-so's contribution and wish them success in the future. <laughs> and then the responses start coming in fast and furious. People expressing outrage, yeah, shock, they did that for sadness. Mike, it's almost like everyone is your friend on the day you're fired. And then the next day they've all forgotten about you because they want to go console somebody else. CJD in Montreal, Bell owned station, gutted their newsroom. Their top of the hour newscast now being read by anchors. Same thing in Toronto. News Talk 1010, gone. Barb DiGiulio's show, Nightside, gone. Uh, Jim Richards, still there? Uh, this is uh, interesting. He's definitely lost his day, midday show. Possibly they'll try to get him to do it, like an overnight show. But at this moment, he's not there. 
Now, that's another thing. How do you go from being a top anchor or having a top show in a, in a great time slot? And they say to you, you're doing the graveyard shift now or the weekends now. Uh, there are no more Ted Wallace and didn't they his show's well, gone too yeah Ted was the morning man there for years yes he was and yeah. then and then he's like on the weekends yeah with uh, our buddy Bill King yeah with Bill King and it was a good show too. I was on that show right but it's gone. almost as if they're saying look we're just going to run we're going to plug in syndicated programming we're going to get other people from Bell Media who are already working in other media to do these jobs as well and eventually it's going to be two people doing everything at CTV, all media, morning and afternoon shows on radio, anchoring on TV, reporting, editing. It's going to be two people. And they're going to both burn out within 12 to 18 months. It'll be us. Serious mental illness. Right. And they'll just replace them with two other people who will burn out. That's what's going to happen. Because we're talking about real journalists, Mike, that covered real important local and regional stories in your community, in your area, in your region. And lately, the emphasis has not been on journalism at all. It's been on presentation, fluff more than anything else, getting eyeballs, getting clicks. And now more than ever, the age of the highlight show in sports is going the way of the VCR. It's becoming obsolete. Who needs to watch a highlight show? I can get the highlights three seconds after they happen on my, right in front of me. Right. So a week after Sid announced he's flitting from Tim, Jay's no longer working with Dan. What's the future going to look like? Ready for this, Mike? Jay and Kayla. The new show on TSN. Jay and Kayla. Would you watch? Yep, I would. Because that's perfect for Kayla. Right up her alley. Right? She's got swagger. Her and Jay would be great together, I think. I'd be interested in seeing those two together. White male anchor, black female anchor. Looks good. And I think they'd work well together because they both love sports. They're both pretty quick on the uptake. Funny. As far as Tim McAuliffe goes, they're saying it's going to be a rotating set of co-hosts. I believe that Rogers will find a female and or a person of color to replace Sid. Well, Donovan Bennett would be perfect. Donovan, Donovan Bennett uh... Doesn't no, have the I, personality. I think he's, uh, he for the modern Doesn't era, have, I think he's got it. I think he's got it. Too serious. You need somebody that's a little off the wall, a little kooky to go up against Tim. Don't you? Oh, maybe. Little, Donovan's too much like Tim. Straight man. That's, that's, just my, that's just my opinion. How about the Leafs? Well, all this is going on. A 7-3 pasting of Vancouver. They're back in first place by the North. They are better than Montreal because Montreal lost to Ottawa 3-2 last night. <laughs> Only Ottawa's second win of the year. Their first win of the year, of course, was against Toronto. So Leafs Habs, Leafs Habs, Leafs Habs. Do you see a playoff series between Toronto and Montreal this year? I do. It's going to be great. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, already the chirping has begun between Leaf fans and Habs fans. Like, hey, we're on equal footing now. Hey. All those years, let's go. Roll up the sleeves. Okay? You and me. Let's dance. Toronto, Montreal. Let's dance. And the Leafs, led by 37-year-old Jason Spezza, who notched a hat trick and won every important face-off that he was asked to take by Coach Sheldon Keefe. This is the same guy who was sat out by Mike Babcock on opening night last year with his family in the stands. You know that Babcock would have benched him after he scored two goals last night. Didn't want him to get a hat trick. Babcock, that's enough for you, Spencer. 
Babcock that prick. You're totally right. Okay. So he's the second oldest Leaf to score three okay. goals in a game. I've been thinking about this because I knew it was coming. Uh, my guess is Matt Sundin. Red Kelly. Oh, I was, yeah, okay. 37 years and 255 days old when he scored a hat trick for the Leafs in a 10-1 victory over the Rangers in 1965. Wow. 37 years, 255 days. Jason Spezza was 37 years and 236 days old yesterday. So he still has a chance this year to break the record, to be the oldest Leaf if he can get another hat trick, as long as he waits another 19 days before he does it. If he waits 19 more days, he will be the <laughs> oldest Leaf to score a hat trick. I just thought I'd put that in. I love Austin that Matthews yeah. had a pair of goals. Beauties. Beauties. John Tavares and Mitch Marner potted singles. 7-3. The Leafs win. Vancouver held to just 19 shots on goal by that smothering Leaf defense. Freddie Anderson turned aside 34 of 37 shots for the win. You know, I'd like to see Sheldon Keefe give Freddie a bit of a breather, a bit of a blow. He's played almost every game. Michael Hutchison's the goalie backup boy now. You can, you can afford to put him in there because even if he doesn't play well, the Leafs can win 5-4, 6-5, 7-6. They're going to outscore the opponent on most nights. They short, really short season, though, uh, what, 56 games or something. So maybe that's... Even so. But I, I want to say on that point of Austin Matthews, because uh, I was I had Rick Vive on the program like last week or maybe two yeah. weeks ago. And we were talking about, he still got the record 54 goals. And we were talking about how Austin probably maybe could have got it, but then the COVID hit last year. And, and he that, won't, might not get it this right, year because it's a shortened season. Can you again. imagine if we were playing 82 games this season, Austin right. would for sure, for sure beat the uh, Rick Vive franchise record. Means nothing though. Doesn't mean any, it means as much as what we're going to talk about in a minute with Fred Van Vliet. Like this is the fun stuff uh, fans right. have fun with. Right. So, uh, it does, but it's great to it's great to have a milestone. It's wonderful for that individual for a while, but in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't mean anything at all. It does. Well, that's, oh, Stanley Ooh, Cups are all fifty that goals in one season. That's great. But <laughs> Gary Lehman, what did you do for me when it came to the playoffs? Oh yeah, you're right. How many playoff goals did Rick Vive score? How many Not times many. did those fifty goal seasons lead to playoff success? None. None. So it's great, and I hope he gets it. It's nice. It's always nice to see a record broken. The Buffalo Sabres and their head, uh, have announced that their head coach, Ralph Kruger, has tested positive for COVID-19. Ralph Kruger is 61 years old. He's going to be more susceptible, I think, from what I can gather, than the 25-year-old hockey players that he's playing with that, that are there. So uh, he's immediately entering the league's COVID-19 protocol. The Sabres training facilities were closed until further notice. Buffalo games have been postponed until at least February the 8th. Um, the NHL has postponed 26 games already. Mike, most teams have played like 10, 11 games. And already 26 games have been postponed. That's not good. Um, we've got Colorado, the latest team to be hit hard by COVID. They've had three games postponed at least. They cannot play a game until at least the 11th of February. That's next uh, Thursday. Four games, which are scheduled for tomorrow, have all been postponed. Saturday night hockey. Buffalo-Boston, no. Rangers-Devils, no. Arizona-Minnesota, no. Colorado-St. Louis, no. Well, well. You notice, no Canadian teams. We're okay so far. Two more games on Sunday, postponed. One more on Monday, postponed. Two more next Tuesday, postponed. And fingers crossed there are no more COVID issues the rest of the way, which seems unlikely in the United States. 40 NHL players are known to have a positive COVID test. 
That's according to Steve Simmons at the Toronto Sun. Wow. No, I'm kidding with that. It's a, oh. that the NHL has made that I'm known. Glad you, yeah, okay. Finally, <laughs> the NHL has said, okay, I guess we got to name the players. <laughs> right, right. You know? No, no, they should have, no, they, it should be private. I don't want to know. When they Wouldn't get to you the like fu- to know if the guy had COVID? Wouldn't you just, just curious. Uh, would you say, I don't want to know? That's a great question, you know. I'm not I sure. I want to know. You want to know, okay. You want to know. So new COVID protocol in the NHL says players cannot enter the arena until one hour and 45 minutes prior to puck drop. All meetings will be virtual. The glass behind the benches has been removed, allowing for better airflow mm. because it's pretty obvious. And scientists are all saying that hockey's the worst because right. you're breathing extremely heavy and the air, the, the, the particles don't dissipate right. in the heavy, thick air of a cold arena right. with a low ceiling. They just don't. Right. And as I mentioned, 40 NHL players have tested positive. I, I'm not saying that it's not because they were, uh, weren't socially responsible. I believe that all 40 of them got it because somebody in that cold, drafty, COVID-filled arena, you know, with somebody <laughs> breathing really heavily on the bench or whatever, or a trainer or somebody, and that infected others who infected others who played others who infected others. Your team played my team. We've all got a um, quarantine. So this, this, this minute 45, hour 45 rule, people are pissed. The players are like, nah, man, uh, you can't do that to us. What are we going to do all day? Players are used to getting to the arena early, three hours before the game, sometimes more, just so they can tape their sticks and walk around in their underwear and get prepared mentally and stretch for the game. It's called hurry up and wait. These guys can't sit around in their hotel rooms until four o'clock in the afternoon. When I say later than that, if the game's at seven, hour 45, that's, that's five 15. They can't, they can't come to the arena till five 15. Nah, <laughs> not going to happen. Plus most hotels, if you're checking out that day, you got to be out, you got to be out of the hotel by a certain hour, don't you? They negotiate a, a special uh, favor. <laughs> they probably do. So anyway, the NHL, so they got, like, they're making up new COVID rules as they go along. Let's take the glass out from behind the bench, right? Uh, let's, uh, I don't know, make ensure as much as we can that, that nobody's spreading this. So let's postpone games. They already said that there's a week during the course of the season where they can make up those games. But I, I think at the end of the year, you're going to have teams playing different numbers of games. And the NHL is going to have to go right. by a winning percentage. Right. Some formula. It's yeah. Nuts. When you get to the final four teams, they've got to bubble up, man. Got to get the, no, the final agree. four got to bubble up in Canada. I agree. Maybe, in Canada. Yeah. Maybe in Edmonton or something. Gonna, so that means the government's going to have to allow all these players and staff well, and whatever to come across the board. They got to quarantine when they get here. Sure. But they'd have to. So wait a second. Yep. You're telling me their season ends. They come to Canada. They quarantine for 14 days. Then they start the Stanley Cup semifinals. Uh, well, maybe there'll be uh, those those instant tests or something. Maybe we can work out some uh, maybe. compromise. Maybe there's a pill that'll solve everything, <laughs> but maybe not. The NBA and the NBA Players Association are expected to finalize an agreement by next week to hold the league's annual all-star game and skills competition in Atlanta on March 7th as scheduled. Damn it. Right. The league had already set aside March 5th to 10th as the all-star break, but previously did not plan to hold an actual game. LeBron James, for one, doesn't like the idea, says, I'm hoping for a five-day vacation rather than having to play in front of no fans. 
So what's hey, the reason? Hey, Ron, while you're at it, do you want to join the slam dunk contest <laughs> with no fans? <laughs> is this all like a made-for-TV event, or is this for corporate the corporate like- sponsors? What's the deal here? Like it. Oh, obviously you got sponsors, right? Right, of course, lots of sponsors. <laughs> so, and and what do you do? You do make goods to all the sponsors, and remember, those are in arena sponsors. Right. Those are TV sponsors. The show must go on. Right. What do you schedule? If you're going to have no basketball for five days, people are going to start paying more attention to other sports or it, whatever. You it definitely seems like the, uh, the, the an unnecessary risk uh, that could compromise, you know, much bigger dollars at stake. Like to me, it seems. Well, like- what's the risk? You're already playing basketball why not but you're intermixing like players from multiple teams intermixing closely well, like wait, wait, that wait. it just seems play like another team you're mixing players from two i know but there's teams. that's one team and one team now what you've done yeah. is you've taken somebody from dozens of teams and put them together which to me sounds like a uh, dangerous uh, maneuver how many guys are going to take a pass on the all-star game and will the nba find players for not going yeah great questions great questions in other nba scheduling news the same uh story the espn story that i just mentioned there i, sh- I have to give them credit uh, said that the NBA plans to release the schedule for the second half of its regular season in the next two to three weeks. <clears throat> so far, Mike, the league has only set up a schedule through March the 4th because of how many games have been postponed. What else is going on? How do we schedule the second half so that teams can play safely? Right. What if they have to have a bubble? So they're going to make this determination in the next two to three weeks. So the, the schedule is set through to March the 4th. The Raptors are in Brooklyn tonight. No OG Ananobi. But I wonder if Freddie Van Vliet still has a hot hand. I mean, the guy had 54 the other night. Just give him the ball. Keep shooting until you go cold. That's what I say. Unbelievable. <clears throat> like, that is an... Un- that by, first of all, it's the uh, NBA record for most points in a game by an undrafted player. I know right. you think those are useless trivia facts, but those no, are the I, fun No, I, I think that's a good one. Okay. Because it just goes to show you, it would be like saying, you know, what's the most goals in a game by an NHL undrafted player? I mean, same kind of thing. Wow, nobody drafted you and you're you're that good at this level? That's was unexpected. If and I a franchise you, record. So he, if uh, I was to say to you, pick pick an undrafted player in any sport right. and tell me that he's going to set a team record for most points or goals or Mike Ridley. touchdowns or whatever it is. <laughs> Mike Ridley, undrafted University of Manitoba. Right. I'm trying to think of great undrafted players. <laughs> but this is for 54, because this is my six-year-old's favorite player is Fred right. Van Vliet, and he's got yeah. this shirt. And he was very – I mean, he didn't get to watch the game. I told him the next morning, but he was very excited. And I just want to say, I was at Vince Carter's 51 game, and I was at T-Max 51 game, but I missed the 52 by DeRozan. And I think Fred Van Vliet with 54, that's uh, quite the accomplishment for the young man. Love this guy. It is definitely, and uh, it goes to show you that if they were to trade Kyle Lowry, you could lean pretty heavily on Fred Van Vliet as your number one guard and, and not be that bad a team. By the way, the Raptors, if they win tonight, are in eighth place in the East. That's the final playoff spot, and there's <laughs> lots unreal. of basketball left to be played. And they signed GM Bobby Webster, and hopefully they're going to sign uh, the president, uh, Masai Ujiri. Are you worried about the fact that hasn't happened yet? Like, I, I think he's, <clears throat> yes. le- I think he's leaving town. <clears throat> I do. I'm, I'm concerned. He's done what he was supposed to do here. Right. And like a lot of executives, once you've won a championship and you've done what you're supposed to do, mm-hmm. it's time to move on. Washington, maybe. I feel like that's also where there's a lot. Like, the, Washington is where. Lots of other worldly important things happen, you know, and I feel right. like if you're going to have like a, a gateway to a greater purpose beyond basketball, that's the center to be possibly. You think so? Yeah, possibly. Washington, Washington, Washington D.C. 
not Washington, Washington uh, not Washington State. Let's get them in DC. <laughs> they used to be the Baltimore Bullets. Then they moved to Washington. Right. Became the Washington Bullets. Right. And then some, no, Washington is the center of murder in the United States. It's more gun deaths than any other country, another city in the country. We can't call them the bullets. Right. We can't call them the rubber bullets. We can't call them the bazookas, right. the rifles, the right. shotguns, <laughs> nothing like that. We have to call them something else. Let's call them the wizards. And the rest is history. Are you confident the Raptors, by the way, can win the East this year? No, are you? Why not? I, they're not good enough. They they weren't good Who's enough last better? year, and they're not as good as they were last year. This year, I feel like uh, they're not. I don't think that this team wins a playoff round. What What if Pascal Siakam starts, and he has living up to the player we thought he might be? What if Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry are clicking on all cylinders? What if OG Ananobi, if he's not injured? And Chris Boucher and some of the other guys can fill in some gaps, and these this team can make ifs. a run. <laughs> That's a lot of what ifs, but it sounds like if it all is. that happens, we we go out in the, the second is round. That great? No, I know, but I don't think we get past the second round, even if all that clicks. But we'll see. Oh man, you're just a downer. You're a total <laughs> bummer. I didn't think that the firing of Dan O'Toole was going to affect you <laughs> this way, <clears throat> but it obviously has. The National Women's Hockey League, Mike, had to cancel their championship in the Lake Placid bubble because way too many people were testing positive for COVID, and that's a recipe for disaster. The championship was supposed to be telecast on NBC Sports last night. The league was getting tremendous promotion and advertising dollars. Big support. But they tripped and fell all over themselves, choked and gagged <clears throat> on their, their rules and their protocol and poor management, and poor leadership. First of all, the bubble was not as secure as players were allowed to socialize with each other. I mean, the first few days after, I believe it was January 21st when they all gathered in the bubble and it was five, six teams. And the first day we saw social media, we saw pictures of uh, girls from different teams hanging out with each other, right. you know, no masks on. And I'm like, wait a minute, it's supposed to be a bubble. What's happening here? Right. And then stories coming out as players were allowed to leave the bubble, come back to the bubble. New players were invited into the bubble without quarantining. Uh, team all of a sudden had a number of COVID-19 positive results, but didn't mention that. And the league didn't mention it. And left the media to wonder, is the reason that they're not playing is because of COVID? No comment. The league should have been front and center here. The league should have been right out in front, fully transparent as to what was going on, but they weren't. So players are allowed to socialize. Trainers were working for more than one team. You see, two of the six teams had their own full-time trainer, but the other two trainers were supplied by the league, and they were going back and forth, spreading the disease. <clears throat> Excuse me. I hope that's not a COVID cough there. M me too. I'm glad we're on Zoom here, Hebsey. I just thought about it, but I haven't <laughs> seen anybody or been in near anyone. Anyway. So there's cases where women were not in the bubble starting in the late January uh, term, and then they arrived during the tournament because uh, other players had to drop out. And it wasn't known if they had isolated for 14 days or three days or seven days, or I'm not sure how long I isolated, but I isolated with my family. <sighs> and the league wasn't transparent. And, you know, you can't do that to the media. When the media are the ones that are supplying the information, it's not coming from the league. 
and the league is not coordinating properly and they're not confirming nor denying stories. That worries me, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. It's worrisome. All in all, followed, and what should have been a hugely successful failed for the ineffectiveness of leadership. You were breaking. Too bad. You okay there, buddy? Yeah, I know you were breaking up a little bit, but you're back. A uh, little bit of internet bubble uh, gurgle there, but you're back. Yeah, it happens, doesn't it? Yes, it does. <laughs> There's nothing we can do about that, right? Yeah. <laughs> the Nat Women's Hockey League, and remember, they like I, I had mentioned last week on the last show that the Canadian Women's Hockey League is disbanded. There's another group called the Professional Women. Hockey Association or something like that. They're they're going to hold like an All Star game next month, and so you've got these two factions still going other while women's hockey is suffering at this level, and you know young girls that want to emulate their favorites can't even get to see them now. It's a real shame. Yeah, it's a shame for sure. And Graham Hadwin was the top Canadian after the opening round of the Waste Management Tournament in error. Fired a 400 par 68, four shots back of the leaders. In tennis, Bianca Andrescu, number eight at the Australian Open. She plays her first match since the fall of 2019 tonight. Seven o'clock Eastern time against an unranked opponent whose name escapes me. Bianca revealed the other day that her injury was a torn meniscus in her knee. And she's now fully recovered. Can't wait to see her banging balls again. That didn't come out right. (laughs) Careful. Phrasing, phrasing. Bring on Serena, I say. Germany's COVID-19 restrictions meant that travel from certain countries, including the UK, is now banned until February the 17th. Now, with the Premier League champions Liverpool due to play RB Leipzig the day before, both clubs now need to agree on a solution to play their game elsewhere. They can't play it in Germany. Maybe they reverse the tie so that Liverpool will play the home leg first. And then hopefully the COVID restrictions will be lifted in Germany and they can play the second leg in, uh, in, in Leipzig. Hmm. Mike, when I see teams and leagues altering their schedule so to as avoid areas that have travel restrictions or other things, it makes me wonder how long it's going to take before we have another serious outbreak. How much compromising can you do? How much changing, jiggling the schedule can you do? How many more restrictions can you put on teams and leagues? Not just travel restrictions. Before you, you're not getting the product that you should be getting. It's, it's worrisome. Yeah, the that's... NFL did a great job. The Super Bowl should go off without a hitch, hopefully. Right. Looks right. good. I give them full, full credit. I know there were situations early in the season where we were going, oh, this isn't going to happen, but they managed to pull it off. NBA, so far, they've postponed, what is it, 20-some-odd games? All right, still an opportunity, still a possibility there that something could break out, especially with this all-star thing. NHL, same thing, worrisome. Big-name players getting COVID. 61-year-old coach getting COVID. Not good. Finally, Super Bowl Sunday, the quietest Super Bowl since the first one. 
which was called the AFL-NFL Championship between the Green Bay Packers and Kansas City Chiefs. Sunday, it's, I don't even know what number Super Bowl it is. It's a Roman numeral. <laughs> I've never used Roman numerals before, except for the Super Bowl. But and anyway, it's... Rocky films. I feel like maybe we use right, them for Rocky. Rocky I, and Godfather. Yeah, I, I, well, okay. Yeah. Sure. Godfather. Yeah. Um, and Foreigner albums too, right? Oh, and, and Led Zeppelin, although I don't think he had Led their, Zeppelin yeah, albums. Right, right. It's true. You're right. Chicago, all their albums. Right, right, right. That's it. Anyway, um, we're going to be having chicken wings and pizza. I'll be rooting for Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks. We're playing at home in front of, I think it's 20 some odd thousand, maybe 30,000 fans. Wow. That's a lot. It's Florida. Yeah. It's Florida. It's Florida. <laughs> like I saw a picture the other day in, in um, Naples, Florida of a supermarket and no one was wearing a mask. None wow. of the shoppers, yeah. none of the uh, uh, staff, nobody. And the sign on the door was masks mandatory. And then underneath it said, unless you have a medical condition. Uh, yeah. Well, I swear. <laughs> and no one was wearing a mask. It's like a whole different so world. 30 odd thousand people at the Super Bowl. Yikes. But at least uh, they're outdoors. Tom Brady. At least they're outdoors. What, what's that? At least they're outdoors. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my girlfriend is rooting for the Kansas City Chiefs because she bought a Patrick Mahomes jersey yeah. last year. It's a good reason. Uh, it could get ugly. <laughs> Hopefully it's a great game. I'm going to pick Tampa Bay 27, Kansas City 23 as the final score. Stay safe. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Enjoy the weekend. That's it for episode 218 of Hebsey on Sports. Sorry to go on and on about sports media and the way what's, what's happening just in media here, but it's terrible. And this was a business that I loved and still do for many, many years. And I, in all honesty, I cannot tell someone. Excuse me, nowadays, that if they want to get into the media business, I would tell them pick another profession. Right. Sadly. Check out my YouTube page. It's called Live from Toronto with Hebsey. You can see all the shows, all some vintage Hebsey awards, and other cool postings from me. Thanks to Toronto Mike, as usual, for production and inspiration. Hit him up at Toronto Mike. And if you're interested in sponsoring this fine podcast, hit me up on social media. Hit up Mike. Uh, you can get me at markhebsher at gmail.com. And thanks for allowing us into your headspace. As always, we're back with another exciting episode of Hebsey on Sports. That would be um, episode number 219. Yes, sir. That's next week. Until then, so long for now. This podcast has been produced by TMDS and accelerated by Rome Phone. Rome Phone brings you the most reliable virtual phone service to run your business and protect your home number from unwanted calls. Visit romephone.ca to get started.